0: this idea in the new testament if you knock the door will open you think well that's an unbelievably naively optimistic statement that no one in their right mind would possibly give any credence to but the world is a very strange place and it does it is the case that your perceptions of the world and the personality that you inhabit orients itself around your fundamental goal you're goal-directed creatures. You look forward, you point at everything. Like we're, we're arrows that are aimed at, we're either aimed at something or at nothing, but we have to be aimed. And if you aim at something, then the probability that something will come out of that is radically enhanced. And it might not even be what you aim at to begin with, but that's okay, because what do you know? Like you might be aiming wrong. If you aim and then move forward, your perspective will change, and then maybe you can shift your aim, and that's fine, but at least you're moving forward. And then the future you want to create is the future that you create. And, and you might as well create it because you don't have anything better to do. The other thing that's so important to realize, and this is part of the issue with regards to fragility, is you're all in on this game. You've already staked your life on it. And so you, as far as I can tell, you might as well stake your life on something that you regard as worthwhile because you're staking your life anyways. And what's the alternative? You're going to stake your life on something you don't think is worthwhile? It's like how is that an improvement? There's no improvement in that. And so if you want to plow a better pathway forward, then get out the plow and, and start and start working it. And that works way better than it works way better than you would think. I've often wondered, and I think it's a reasonable thing to wonder. It's like we're not doing too bad in this world, you know, things are a lot better than they were 50 years ago and There's a lot of reason to be optimistic and there's reason to be pessimistic. But you know, it's not like we're all in making things better or maybe 60-40 or 65-35 or something like that, each of us individually and then also collectively. You wonder what would happen if we were all in, just how much better we could make things. And there's something that's worth thinking about. There's something to devote yourself to. It's like, how much suffering could you rectify if that was your goal, your own and other people's as well? And how much malevolence could you constrain? And what amount of good could you do in the world? That's a noble goal. And it's certainly something worth discovering unless you have something better to do. And it doesn't seem to me that you do. So, especially when you think about good, it's not as something that's associated with naive adherence to a set of constraining rules, you know, that all good is is obedience. I'm not talking about that at all. saying, look, there's problems that are out there in the world, and some of those problems bother you. They're your problems. And I don't know why they bother you and some other problems bother someone else, but there are problems that bother you. Those are your problems. Right? That's your call to adventure. Solve them and see who you are. Put your life together and make something better. That's the way to defeat nostalgia for the false past and don't be so sure you can't do it I have this program I'll tell you about very briefly because of the effects it's had that have been surprising to us because we've tested this empirically it's called the future authoring program and it's on a site called self and it's a program that is designed to help people make a plan for their life it's a fairly straightforward program in some sense although not so much in others I might say well what do you want to do with your life and you think, oh my God, I can't answer that question. It's like, that's a, that's a big question. And so you don't know. Part of the problem is it's not a very good question. It's not differentiated enough. So if you ask yourself a question that's so large you can't answer it, well, then you should ask yourself a smaller question. And so in this program, you're asked to do things. We tried to make it practical. It's like, okay, it's three to five years down the road. And you get to have what you need and want within reason right assuming you're taking care of yourself within reason well what might you want how would you like your family interactions to be going siblings parents what about your intimate relationship if you could have what you wanted needed from now just what would that look like hypothetically your career or your job because those aren't the same thing at least maybe you could have a job that is respectable and and that constitutes a valid contribution to those around you and helps justify your position in society. And perhaps you could even have a career, you know, that has some intrinsic meaning independently of that. Your education, your, te- your resistance to the temptation of drugs and alcohol and the sorts of things that knock people off the track. Your, your care for yourself mentally and physically, your use of time productively and in an engaging manner outside of work. You could have what you wanted. What would it be? Answer it. Guess if you have to. And then write for 20 minutes about what your life could be like if all of that manifested itself. And then do the reverse. Write about what your life would be like in three to five years if you let everything about you that isn't good have full sway. And take you to your own little subdivision of hell. And and people are pretty aware of that. Everyone knows. Everyone I've ever talked to has some real sense of how they would degenerate if they degenerated in their own particular way some people would become cruel some people would become homicidal some people would become alcoholic some people would end up on the street some people would drift into prostitution people know where their weaknesses are likely to tempt them and take them and so then you sketch out a little hell and a little heaven and maybe you're motivated to run from the one which is good and to run toward the other and, and so then you have a framework for your life, and then maybe you make a strategic plan. Well, we've, we've, we've done that now with thousands of people in, in, in Holland and in Canada, mostly university students, well, all university students in the research studies. and We found at this little college in Canada, Mohawk College, if you brought students in in the summer in their orientation. And just had them do this program, which should probably take you about five days if you did it thoroughly. If you had it, had them do it really badly in an hour, that that decreased the probability that the men would drop out in the first semester by fifty percent. It was a staggering finding, and we found the same. We found findings of similar magnitude across the other studies. And, and the reason I'm telling you this is because a lot of the reason that people don't get what they want is because they don't aim at it this idea that you should have higher self-esteem or that you should be happy it's like jesus it's so weak it's so pathetic it's like first of all forget it because you're not who you should be and you don't deserve your self-esteem and second what good is happiness going to do you when you're unhappy? And you will be. So there's nothing in that to, to get you out of bed in the morning. You need an adventure. And the greater, the better. And so it's like, it's back to the high seas, gentlemen. You know, out on the rolling waves where, where there are new continents to conquer and new things to overcome. And if you think that all the frontiers are gone, then you're not looking because there's frontiers everywhere and that's where you should be, right? Working diligently to expand the domain of habitable order into the chaos of potential. And that'll, that'll force you to discover who you are and to bring that into the world. And that's the role of men in the 21st century and there's nothing about that that's anything but good for anyone. I mean, one of the things that I detest about the current collectivist ideology and the assistance that what we live in is a patriarchal tyranny, is that it associates the activity of stalwart men with nothing but tyranny and power. And I think that that's dreadful beyond imagining because it conflates bravery and courage and competence and the desire to adopt responsibility and the ability to be generous. With nothing but power and it gives men especially young men an excuse to be useless so that they'll be harmless so that they won't be destructive and none of that's helpful it's like you're a dangerous creature and that's a good thing and you should you should harness that and discipline it towards some impossible goal one you can barely lift and see if you can manage to struggle uphill with it and then things will straighten themselves out and 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 then we won't have to ask, well, what's the role of men in the 21st century? There are terrible problems that need to be solved. Solve them. It's within our power to solve them. It's within your power to solve the problems that present themselves to you as your problems. Solve them. That's the right solution. There's nothing in that that isn't good. So, And there's nothing in it that isn't... Like that call to adventure that can get you up in the morning when it's a difficult morning. You know, when things have collapsed around you for one reason or another. You need a purpose for moving forward. And it has to be the sort of purpose that justifies the suffering. So, that's that. tradition is supposed to teach you by presenting you with examples of great people of the past the lesson is not supposed to be exactly bow down and worship these people Mm -hmm. it's be like them be like them and you could be and I mean that's really the goal of the humanities when it's the humanities if it's not if that's the goal then students will study the humanities as soon as that ceases to be the goal then it, it, it there's there's nothing of value there I mean, great literature tells you, it tells you the great story of good and evil, always. It's good and evil against a background of chaos and order, always. And the evil characters are there to, to, to be bad examples, and the good characters are there to be good examples. Or you see the interplay of those forces within a single person. And and and, and it's a reminder of, of who you could be. And you you can find out who you should be. It's actually... And this is something quite mysterious, I believe, and and part of the proof, let's say, that we exist in a world of value. Your conscience tells you who you should be. Now, that doesn't mean necessarily that it's infallible, but people wrestle with their conscience. You know, there isn't anyone. I've never met anyone who is, you know, I'm not, I'm narcissists accepted, let's say people are generally tormented by their conscience and the reason for that is that they're not they're deviating from the path that is their destiny I mean if you don't think that well then what do you think what do you think that conscience is I mean I've asked my classes repeatedly do you have a little voice in your head that tells you when you've done something wrong or you're about to or a feeling and they all they all immediately agree with that no one finds that a foreign concept and so if you don't know who you are your conscience will remind you when you're not sorry if you don't know who you could be your conscience will remind you when you deviate and then you can start to attend to that think well look I'm actually ashamed when I do Mm -hmm. this I should stop unless I want to be ashamed all the time it looks like I should stop and then maybe you stop doing that and and then your conscience objects to something else and maybe you stop doing that and as that happens you start to develop a vision of who you could be and the chapter indicates it 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 it, uh it looks at symbolic representations it's an examination of a certain symbolic representation of the ideal and so it's my attempt to um, assess tradition for what it can tell us about what the ideal human being might be like, and the ideal human being is the person who forthrightly upholds the traditions of the culture and forges a way into the unknown. We, we went through that and, um, and pulls new information in and builds, rebuilds himself and the world for you to make contact with the highest of values. You have to bring that down to your particulars and figure out how you do that. It's going to be a way that no one else does it because you're the only one that's you. And, but you can, you can aim at something, aim at something. And the, the, the point of the chapter is that you aim at something and that will shape you as you move towards it. And then your aim will change, you'll move. But that doesn't matter. It gets you going. And you'll be molded across time more and more into the person you could be. it right what does it feel like well to begin with and this happened when I was in graduate school I had a lot of bad habits I smoked like a pack of cigarettes a day and I drank a lot I I came from this little town in northern Alberta and like many little towns especially in northern Canada alcohol overuse is de rigour you know it's it's and so um, I noticed when I was in my early 20s that the only time I really regretted what I had done was when I was drinking. Now it was also interfering with me writing because I couldn't concentrate well enough if I was hungover, but I also couldn't really concentrate. I couldn't I couldn't tolerate the emotional strain of what I was writing about when I was hungover. It was too I couldn't handle being on the edge because I destabilized my nervous system. In any case I stopped drinking and the reason for that was well I decided I didn't want to be ashamed of what I was doing anymore it seemed I thought well maybe I could not do things that were shameful and then see what my life was like so that that was sort of on the negative end the constraint end Um, I think people get on the more positive end people get deeply involved in what they're doing if they're in the right place in the right time so that I would say you can tell this is the idea of heaven on earth to some degree when time stops when you're not aware of the duration of time when you're so engaged with what you're doing that you're not aware of the duration of time then then you've got the forces of chaos and order balanced properly you're not stultified and bored that's an excess of order everything's too predictable you're not overwhelmed you're you're dealing with it's like it's like it's you're playing tennis at the peak of your game that's partly what people experience when they're great athletes when they play the zone yeah. You know, and they're always stretching themselves to their limit you can tell that if you watch a gymnast for example who, who has a brilliant performance they've stretched themselves beyond their domain of competence during the performance and that's what makes everybody leap to their feet that's that's the incarnation given embodiment right there in front of you for some moments and everyone cheers that on. that it becomes fleeting and that suddenly you could have a great month and then suddenly something happens chaos returns. like it's it's that we almost forget that moment. You can't like you can't hold it. well it requires a lot of it requires even to some degree some good fortune to maintain. I certainly haven't been able to do that while I was ill. You no know, and time One of the consequences of of my illness, whatever it was or is, was time dilation, like days lasted weeks it seemed like, minutes lasted hours, and I mean that literally, Um, that was terrible, the weight of time, it's the weight of brute mortality, it's the weight of self-consciousness, and you escape that immersed properly, so and that that second chapter is a pretty practical chapter it's like well if you're not who you want to be then think about how you could be better take a chance aim at that work at it and see what happens one of the things i tell young people all the time i'm not a very typical psychologist in this regard because psychologists like to pat people on the head and say you're all right the way you are i talked to bishop barron a while ago i'm going to broadcast this and he said that the catholic priests were trained in the 1960s to kind of be accepting, you know, humanistically, you're okay the way you are, you know. And that's such rubbish. It's like not only are you not okay the way you are, you don't think that anybody else is okay the way they are either. You don't think your children are okay the way they are, like you love them and all that, but you don't want them to stay three years old their entire life. You want them to expand and improve and become who they are. And so, instead of telling young people that they're okay the way they are, I tell them that, and it's a terrible message for them if they're desperate, you know, so let's say 10% of the people in my audience are young, maybe they're young men, just for the sake of argument, and they're like not in good shape, they don't have any deep goals, they're, they're drinking too much, they're watching pornography all the time, they've got no aim, They've got no structure in their life, and they're just bloody miserable. And the misery is twisting them into malevolence because enough misery will absolutely do that to you. And then what are you going to do? And come along and say, "Well, you're you're okay the way you are." It's like that's the last thing they want to hear. It's like get your damn act together. You know, you got things to do, and they're going to be difficult. And that there, there's a there's a there's a, an echoing Christian message in there, I would say, which is pick up the weight of your suffering voluntarily and you walk uphill with it. And that not only gives you the meaning that you need in life, in your life to stop you from degenerating in a dangerous manner, but it actually makes things better. And so that, that, that all has to be part of it. Like I believe in human ingenuity. I think we can solve all the problems that beset us, but it can't just be. It has to be more than... We can enhance material well-being, which is what it tends to be now. It's not enough. And so you get brushed off by the apocalyptic types.